Let's meet up in Joshua chapter 24. Seems fitting that it's 2024 and God has a word for us tonight from chapter 24. And we got a little bit of reading to do, so I want to get right into the text. The Israelites have been in possession of the promised land for some time now, and Joshua here is going to pull all the people together to make sure that they remain straight on a few things. So Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 1, God's Word reads, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they, presented them, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, in cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You ate the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to speak from the subject of today we choose. So find somebody next to you and tell them you've got a choice to make. Tell them you've got a choice to make. Tonight you're going to have a choice to make. I'm always intrigued by the start of a new year. We as people, we tend to do some interesting things when New Year's come around. A lot of people are into the tradition of eating the good luck food. Any of y'all partakers in the New Year's traditional good luck food, you know, the hog jaw, ugh, cheap wannabe bacon, that's nasty. I can't stand it. There's a restaurant right down the road from my church, Homeside Restaurant. I saw their sign the other day for New Year's Day, all you can eat hog jaw. I'm like, I bet that's a real bargain. People must be knocking the doors down for all you can eat hog. I was like, ugh, I can't stand the black eyed peas, the greens, all that stuff. We actually did that in our house this year. 
Ashley force fed me. I refused to eat the greens, so she stepped on my foot really hard when I opened my mouth. Some people are into that. I have friends who, at the beginning of each new year, they reflect back and they write down all the high points of the previous year. All the good that happened over the past year. I see a lot of people want to reflect back on all the things that didn't go our way this past year. But I have friends who choose to reflect back and look at all the things that did. And so they write those things down as a remembrance. Most of us, I think, we set forth things that we would like to see or accomplish or do differently this year. You might call them your resolutions or your goals or your ambitions or whatever it is that you want to call it that you want to see happen this year. You might be one of those people that's already made the statement, I'm going to the gym. Knock it out. Maybe your spending habits are going to change this year. Maybe you've got this diet plan that you're going to stick with. I'm going to declutter the house. I'm going to fix the flower bed. I'm going to work on that truck. I'm sitting in the driveway for three years that hadn't ran. All these different things that we'll set out to do or accomplish that we want to achieve with the course of a new year. The start of a new year always brings with it a few things that we all seem to partake in, though. One is we reflect. Two is we resolve. Three is we choose. We look back on a previous year. We resolve to do specific things in this year. And then throughout that year, we choose whether or not we stick with what we have resolved. And what we just read in Joshua chapter 24 is he has brought these people together. As he's speaking to them, they've inhabited the land that God has promised to give them. We see a similar pattern set itself up here as well. It's been some time since God has established them in a land. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back to chapter 23, at the very beginning of that chapter, it says just that, that the people of Israel had received rest by the hand of God for some time in the land. And so they've been well established here for some time, but a new time is coming. And Joshua is aware of that. He knows that his time is about to be over. Joshua is well advanced in years. He senses that his time on this earth is drawing to a close and that these people that he has led for so long are going to be tasked with moving on with their lives apart from him. And so a, a new time is coming, a new day, a new year, so to speak, in the nation of Israel's life. And so he pulls the people together, and the first thing that we notice is that there's reflection. And so as one year ends and another starts, we should reflect. Joshua begins to call to remembrance for the people all the things that God has done on their behalf. Listen to me. Reflection is vital before we begin something new. Why? Because when it's done properly or correctly, reflection builds confidence. It fosters courage. It can even embolden faith. Reflection is vital before we begin something new because it teaches us from past mistakes. Y'all know the famous saying that those who don't learn from history are destined to repeat it. And so we reflect because we see the things that we didn't do so well in the process of that reflection and how we can keep from making those same mistakes over again. At the same time, it also motivates movement. 
when we reflect and we see the places that we've been or the places that we haven't been, or more times than not, we see the places that we never did get to, then it motivates us to move in future days to come. Most of us reflect back on things throughout this previous year, and we see the, all the things that we wanted to do that we didn't do, or all the places that we wanted to go that we never got, or all the things that we wanted to accomplish, but we never put any amount of effort or purpose into, at least not that was sustained. And so when we reflect and we do so properly, it motivates movement in our lives. We see those things. We see how we come up short. We see the things that we left undone. We see the partial projects that we have laying all around our house that we started with great intentions but never saw come to completion. And so it motivates us to move with a greater intentionality. So Joshua says, let's do some reflecting for a moment. And he begins to give the Israelite people a reminded history lesson of all that God has done in their past. And in verse 5, we see the first thing that he pointed out to the Israelite people as they reflect that he says, I want you to see and be reminded and reflect upon God's liberation. So in verse 5, he, he highlights what God has done for his people when they were Egyptian bondage. He says, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. So as Joshua calls the people together, he says, let's reflect for a moment. Let's think back to a time when our fathers were in the land of Egypt. Let's think back to a time when this promised land wasn't what we used to live in. Let's think back to a time when our land wasn't flowing with milk and honey. Our land was flowing with rations and chains. And we didn't know freedom like we know it now. Our people didn't know freedom like we know it now. Let's reflect back on a time when that was the reality of our lives. But listen to what our God has done for us, is that he saw us in the midst of our oppression. He heard the cries of us, his people, and he brought us out. So it's good, Joshua says, for us to always be reminded and reflect upon the fact that God has liberated us from past bondage to live in the freedom that we now get to experience. He brought us out. And I just wonder if any of us can reflect over this past year and see God's liberation in our lives. See the things that God has brought you out of. I know every year is full of ups and downs, highs and lows. We go through the good times, we go through the bad. We have, we have moments where we celebrate, we have moments where we mourn. But the fact of the matter is, for those of us who are in Christ, we have been liberated. And it is good for us to reflect on God's liberating work of salvation in our life and the reality that we don't live in the bondage of sin that we used to live in before he pulled us out. It's good to reflect on that. It's good to be reminded of that. He has also brought us out of our own Egyptian bondage and set us into a place that we didn't build with our own hands, that we didn't establish with our own works, but one just out of his goodness and his grace and his mercy, he just brought us into. It's good to reflect on that. But Joshua continues. He says, let's keep on reflecting a little bit. It's good to see God's liberation, but then he continues even further. He says, we continue to look upon God's work in our life. Not only do we see his liberation, we see his protection. In verse 6, he says that I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. 
If you're familiar with the story, you know it was a little bit of an uh-oh moment for the Israelite people. They're running from Egyptian bondage. Pharaoh has decided to pursue them, and they run smack into the side of the Red Sea. God splits the sea. He says, The Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. So Joshua says, Let's think back to a time when God set our people free. He says, I'm going to lead you to a promised land that I promised to give your father Abraham. Now go. You've got to pack up bags and get out of here. So they take off running. They turn around. The Egyptians are pursuing them. They get to the Red Sea. They cry out to God, What are we going to do? Moses, what are we going to Moses cries out to God, raises his staff. What happens? The Red Sea splits. They pass through. The Egyptians continue in their pursuit. Israel makes it to the other side. Egypt's still in the middle of the Red Sea. What happens? God closes it back up. Joshua says, let's remember and reflect upon the fact that God protects his people. That he has been with us ever since the moment he brought us out. He is hand by hand, step by step, protected us from all the enemies that have sought to bring an end to us. Nation after nation sought to destroy Israel at every move that they made. And yet time and time again, God protected them against their enemies. Has God not protected us as well throughout this past year? Listen, protection doesn't mean immunity. It doesn't mean that you won't face enemies. It doesn't mean that you won't fight battles. It doesn't mean that you won't experience setbacks. But what it does mean is that in the midst of that, he'll open those things up and he will bring you through to the other side. Our God is one who protects. And each and every one of us here have experienced in some way, form, or fashion God's protection over our lives. The thing about our God is he's so great and so gracious and so merciful. He has protected each and every one of us in ways this past year that we didn't even know happened. I fully believe there are some of you sitting here tonight that there are car wrecks that God protected you from that you didn't even know could have happened. There are some of us sitting here tonight that sickness tried to attack your body that God protected you from. You didn't even know it was happening. You weren't even aware of it. Some of you here tonight, your family was going to come under attack of the evil one and God protected you before that weapon was even formed. It didn't have a chance to prosper and you didn't even know he was doing it. That's why it's good for us to reflect and realize and see that God's protection is all around us, that his promises are true, that he goes before us and he's behind us and he covers us on all sides. Joshua said it's good to reflect. God has liberated us. He has protected us. Have you seen God's protection over your life this year? Think about it for a minute. You won't have to think hard to see and know that it's there. You want the easiest example, the easiest proof? You're still here right now. You're still living. You're still breathing. And God's still working. He's still moving. He's still using your life to bring him glory and honor. Joshua continues. He says, let's let's reflect upon a little something else. How How about we look back and see God's liberation, his protection, but then also his victory. In verse 8, he says, Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. So he says, now let's remember our history a little bit. Now we're getting into the relevant stuff. These are the things that these people were alive for. And we crossed across the Jordan. We entered into the promised land. We said, we met the Amorites, and they fought with you. 
And I, being the Lord, gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. God, as he brought them into the land of promise, did so with a resounding victory over the first enemy that they faced. And Joshua said, let's look back, let's reflect on the victory that God has brought into our lives. Us standing against these enemies that we had no business being able to conquer or overcome. He says, do you people not remember the first victory? Do you people not remember us looking like fools walking around those walls? Blowing our trumpets, giving a shout, thinking this has got to be crazy. Our God's insane. How is this going? How does this win a battle? And lo and behold, he brought victory into our lives in the most unlikely of ways. Let's remember the victory that our God has given us. Let's remember the favor that he has bestowed upon us. And can we not, as well as a people, look over this past year and see some of the victories that God has brought into your life? I get it, we face some losses during the year as well. I know we have some boo-boos. I know we make some mistakes. We're going to get to that a little bit later on, but there are also victories. Some of you over this past year, God brought a victory of faith in your life, and it's deeper now than it ever has been. Some of you, God set free, gave you a victory from a stronghold that has held you in bondage for months, years, and you now have victory in that. Some of y'all have a victory in Jesus. Some of y'all are like Reggie, like Matt was talking about, that you know joy now like you've never known it before. Some of you have experienced some really, really awesome victories at the hands of our God over this past year, and it's good for us to reflect on that. It's good for us to remember those things. Joshua continues. So not only have we looked back, and we've seen God's liberation and his protection and his victory, but we also see his blessing in verse 9, he says, Then Balak, the son of Zippor, I'm going to call him Zipper. It's more than likely Zippor, but I just feel like Zipper is a little more degrading to an enemy of God. The son of Zipper, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Joshua says, let's, let's take into account and consider and remember all the blessing that God has brought into our lives. As a matter of fact, so good is our God at blessing us that he takes those who would bring a curse and turns it into a blessing into our lives. Man, how many blessings can you count right now from this past year? You know, there's a theme I was going to save this for the last one. we got one more to get to. I'm going to use it now. There's a theme in all these things that Joshua is calling to mind in their reflection. Have you noticed it's all positive? Joshua doesn't say, hey, let's reflect back on that disaster that was Ai. Y'all remember that? Remember when we botched that one after Jericho? Hey, hey let's reflect back into the wilderness. Remember, remember our father used to groan and moan all the time? Remember when God had to curse them and send all those serpents into the camp and bite all of them? Remember that? Remember, hey, remember when he handed down the Ten Commandments? And they, and Moses came down and Aaron, and then they built that goat. And they're like, what are you doing? And Aaron's like, I don't know. They just gave me all their gold and put it in a fire, and this, this calf jumped out, and everybody's worshiping. Y'all remember that? Remember what a setback that was? Remember what a tragedy that was? There's none of that. It sets up a pattern, if you ask me, for how God wants his people to reflect not on the failures, not on the mistakes, not on the, not on the bald spots, 
No offense to some people in here. He says, celebrate the victory, celebrate the blessing, celebrate the freedom, celebrate all these things. Why does God want us to reflect on the high points? Because he already knows we're guaranteed low ones. It's expected. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to drop the ball. He understands that fully. He says, don't look at those things. Look at all the good I've brought into your life. Look at all the blessing. Look at all the protection, the, the, the freedom, the victory. Look at all the, there, I've got blessings upon your life. You can't even count them all. And then there's one more. Liberation, protection, victory, blessing. Joshua says, let's reflect back and let's see our promise keeper of a God. Let's see promise. In verse 11, he says, You went over the Jordan, you came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. What's well, a lot of ites? I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them, and you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Why? Just because God made a promise. Joshua says, let's look back and reflect on the fact that what we get to live in is because our God made a promise, and he is ever faithful to deliver upon them. Each and every one of us can look back and reflect over the course of this past year and see God's promises faithfully ever working true in our lives. Each and every one of us, if we were to reflect, can look back and see the promise of God be true in the fact that he would never leave us or forsake us. Some of you have seen God's presence promise be true in your life this past year in ways in which you've never seen it before. Some of you can look over this past year and see the promise that God will always provide and take care of those who call upon his name and the fact that you have never liked to have a roof over your head and clothes on your body and food in your pantry. Each and every one of us can look back and see the promises of an ever-faithful God who's given us things that even though we didn't deserve them, even though we didn't work for them, even though we didn't earn them, his goodness just brought them into our lives as one of his children. Joshua says, y'all look around at this place. We didn't earn this. We didn't deserve this. We didn't put in any amount of work for this, that it should be ours. It was God's hand all along. It was God's promise all along that he faithfully kept, and it's what we're standing in today. Man, it's good to reflect and see an ever-faithful God hold true to his promises and his word. And so with the closing of one year, we should reflect, but the beginning of a new one, as Joshua moved on from there, he shows us that we must resolve. With the beginning of something new, we must resolve. So after reflecting with the people, Joshua says, it's now time to resolve. In verse 14, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites 
in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. To resolve, it, it means to decide firmly on a course of action. And so Joshua, as he calls these people together, he says, yeah, we've reflected, and that's good. But that reflection leads us to resolution. It leads us to a place of resolve. Where because of what God has done, because of God's liberation, because of God's protection, because of God's victory, because of God's blessing, because of God's promise, then we as a people should resolve to follow him with the entire faithfulness of our own hearts, not straying back to the ways that he brought us out of, not going back to those former gods that our fathers used to worship, but even in a more stronger way, holding even greater in our tightness unto him and walking in a way that honors him. We should resolve to rid ourselves of these false gods, resolve to rid ourselves of all evil acts, resolve to rid ourselves of unrighteous deeds, resolve to put away all things that don't honor to God and that do not pertain to faith. And we should resolve to live for God, to stand for his word, to defend his honor. Joshua tells them that he has, as a matter of fact, personally made the decision to resolve to live for God. It's exactly the declaration he makes when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had made his decision. Joshua had made his choice. He says, choose you this day, which, by the way, shows us that the choice can't wait. It is an imperative action that requires answering immediately. Today, you need to choose who you're going to serve. Today, you need to choose who you are going to resolve. Today, you need to decide on your course of action. What are you and your family going to do? As for me and my house, we've seen the way that God has worked. We've known a former life that we don't want to go back to anymore, and we're not going to. And it's not going to enter into my house. It's not going to take over my family. I will stand and keep guard at the door of my house and make sure that these things don't infiltrate my wife. Make sure these things don't infiltrate my life. Make sure these things don't infiltrate my kids. My kids are going to grow up to know the ways of the Lord. I'm going to instruct them in the ways of God's truth. They're going to know about all the things that he has done for us, past, present, and future. Me and my house are resolved to serve God. 2024, can we as a church, can we as men of God, women of God, children of God not resolve to serve God. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord this year. We're not going back to former ways. We're not going back to former things. We've been in Egypt. We know what that garbage is like, and we're sick and tired of it, and we're going to stand. I'm going to talk to the men for a second. We're going to stand at the doorpost of our home, men, and we're going to resolve to get rid of all evil garbage. I'm talking every form of evil that wants to infiltrate your house. If you've got a porn addiction, you need to resolve right now to put that aside. In the name of Jesus, he can give you the power to do it. You can't overcome that. The things that you allow to come into your house through your TV, through your computer screen, your social media, we need to resolve, men, that our house is going to serve the Lord. And it may not be the popular thing to do. Your kids might kick and scream and fuss and fight and cry all the day long about, oh, Dad, we got to go to church. Dad, we got to have family devotion. Yes, we do. Because this house is serving the Lord. 
We're going to seek after the things of God. And one day when you're not underneath my roof, you can choose you this day. But I've made the decision underneath my roof. My family is going to serve God. I've resolved, church, to lead my wife better this year in honoring God. I've resolved to protect my home with a greater ferocity against the evil and dark things of this world. I've resolved to do my best to instruct my son in the ways of the Lord so that he grows up knowing there's a God who loves him and desires to set him free from his wretched soul that he was born in this sin nature with. I've resolved to do Our church, we need to resolve to live for God. And you godly women in here, you need to resolve that your house is going to serve the Lord. And when your husband begins to slack off like he's going to do, you need to resolve to kick him right in the pants and say, husband, I love you, but we got to stand and keep guard. Young men, young women, some of you single and you ain't got families, you need to resolve to live a life of purity that honors God. You need to resolve to seek him and prioritize your relationship with him above all else. You businessmen, businesswomen, you need to resolve that that dollar ain't going to eclipse the throne of your God. As for our houses, man, they need to serve God. We've got to resolve this year to serve Jesus like nothing else before. We do that. There won't be any more of this what if. We'll see it come to pass. We'll see God move in ways in which we never have before. We'll see God's blessing upon this church in ways in which we never have before. You'll see God's hand of blessing upon your family in ways in which you never have before. Now, don't get it twisted. The devil going to fight you tooth and nail over it. It seems like I remember back in verse 8, Joshua reflecting on this thing called victory. And so he leaves the choice up to them to make. And listen to what the people say in verse 16. It says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I hope tonight's a far be it from us moment. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord any longer. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Everything that Joshua called them to reflect upon is found in their response back to him. They followed Joshua in their reflection. They also followed Joshua in their resolve. All it took was the influence of one man taking a stand for righteousness. And a nation of people just responded in a reciprocal way. Yeah, we're going to do that too. Far be it from us that we go back to all this other junk. 
We want, we want in on that Joshua. We don't want to go back to those former things. We don't want to, we don't want to deal with all that garbage we used to have back in Egypt. We see the way God has protected us. We see the way that God has liberated us. We see God's blessings. We, we see God's victory. We have known God's promise, and we want to continue to live. And we're going to resolve that our houses are going to serve the Lord as well. So the challenge tonight, I think, is quite simple, church. In 2024, are we going to resolve for our houses to serve the Lord? Today, you choose. Choose you this day. It's not something to think about. It's not something to go back next week and have everybody come back and say, okay, what do y'all think? We're going to serve the Lord or not. It requires an immediate, active response. So that's the challenge. That's the encouragement. I think that's what God has set before us tonight. Will our houses serve the Lord? Will you resolve to serve God? And if so, are we ready to make the commitment? You know what this was? Your Bible might have labeled it this at the beginning of chapter 24. It says the covenant renewal at Shechem. It was the people coming together and renewing the covenant that God had made with them. God says, I will do this if you do this. And it was the people coming back and saying, God, we remember you saying that you would do this if we would do this, so we're going to do this so that you will do that. And we can live in it. We want it. We pour it out. So that's a challenge. I think our God would love to see us as a church fall down upon our knees. I think he would love to see families come. I think he would love to see students come and, and bow before him and say, God, this year in, in 2024, I'm going to resolve to serve you in greater ways than I ever have before. So are you going to respond? Will we respond? 